This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Josh Taransky and Clint Clifton. Hey, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Josh Taransky, and I'm joined by Clint Clifton. And as always, we're ready to talk about church planting. (laughs) That's our thing. That's what we do. Every week, every week, encouraging you guys in what you feel called to do, planting a new church. uh, We're kind of like one-trick ponies, Josh. We just (laughs) got one, one little trick that we do, and then the crowd moves on. Yeah. That's right. Well, man, you have this awesome legacy of doing this. I always am. I, I, I look at you and I'm like, okay, we get it. We got this. You know, we got we got one church plan down. We got to keep going here. So <laughs> it's well. it's fun talking about church planting with you. I appreciate that. Um, so um, we're gonna th- today we're gonna talk about succession. Um, do yeah. we have any general announcements? Anything? I know we always are kind of focused in on talking about. Uh, the episode that's coming up, but is there anything we need to let our audience know? Yeah, I, you know, I'd like to tell them about the undivided uh, material. Do you, do you know what that is? No, I, th- I think I do, okay. but I don't really okay. want to embarrass myself. All right. Well, um, no, it's okay. Um, so, you know, of course, our, our country is in crazy turmoil in terms of racial reconciliation issues. And um, the North American Mission Board did a really good job uh, a couple of years ago creating um, uh, a curriculum, uh, Dahadi Lewis, which is our, our network director, and J.D. Greer, who's currently the president of Southern Baptist Convention, uh, came together, you know, a white guy and an African-American guy, ministry leaders, um, came together and talked about issues of race relations in our churches and how to do a better job at that. And um, so, so that material is free, available online undivided if you go to nam's website namb.net backslash undivided um you'll see all kinds of stuff about that um there's it's uh you can do it in a small group there's videos it's it's a fantastic curriculum to help you Mm -hmm. and your church think through the issues of racial racial reconciliation so a little commercial for a product we have there we're not trying to make any money off of it it's totally free but want you to know that it's there it exists for you if it can be helpful to help um help your congregation Man, that's great. Yeah, that's what we're all about, yeah. trying to get free resources out there to guys who are trying to do one of the most difficult jobs. So cool, yeah. Undivided. We'll check it out, and uh, yep. we'll throw a link into the show notes to that as well. Yeah. Okay, let's yep. talk a little bit about Succession. Um, you yeah. did an interview with Chad Allen and Rick Duncan. Tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, yeah this story is cool. Uh, Cuyahoga Valley Church in Ohio, and the church was planted by Rick Duncan and uh, Rick uh, now does a lot of other things. You may have know of him. He, he does, does lots of stuff in church planting now. Um, but Rick uh, planted this church and grew it to be a, pr- a really strong, large church in that part of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he transplanted there from, uh, um, from where he lived. He's going to tell that story a little bit and uh, really invested himself there for a long period of time. And then he got to a point in his fifties where he, he started to realize, Hey, I'm not going to be here forever. And, um, in the, and I love this church and I want to make sure that this church has a, a fruitful future. And I, I don't, you know, as I 
get older and maybe my ministry less relevant, I want to make sure that our church continues to, to do well. And so he was super intentional about that. And so he's going to tell the story of how he, he just literally went outside the church, sought the right next leader, found the person, and then brought him on. Two years, they served on staff together, did a gradual transition. And now we're 10 years beyond that uh, transition and the church is really, really strong. And both of them are still serving on staff there. And God, you really used Rick in his foresight to carry the church through. And so most of the members of the church will never know what Rick did for them in that, but such a sacrificial, like godly way to make sure that that church continues to thrive into the future. And I, I brought this conversation up because... Uh, and I wanted to do this interview because lots of us need to be thinking about this. I mean, there's there's so many of us that wait way too long. I know a pastor um, who waited, you know, far too long and would never sort of step aside and really, really drove his church into the ground. And, and you probably know a pastor like that, too, if we're to be honest. And so, yeah. um, so I just think this is a great conversation starter. And hopefully you'll be inspired by Rick's faith and his love for his congregation and the way God is using him right now in this next season of his life and ministry. Mm, that's so good. I, you know, it reminds me of Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, because yeah. one of the things that Jim in his book is measuring is how well does the company do um, after the founder or the, the, the level five leader leaves? And so yeah. this is like taking that concept and looking at it through the lens of a church. So, man, yeah. really good. And I agree that we should be even, you know, when you're church planting, you're thinking of, you know, your future in this thing. But I do yeah. think like a kingdom mindset is this... Um, uh, is this open-handedness of, yeah. yeah, I'm investing so much in this, but I'm excited to see who God uses next. It's probably a healthy perspective right. all the way through. Right. right. Yeah. 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 That That's great. Well, hopefully this is a helpful conversation for you. Cool. Well, let's have a word from our sponsor and then we'll jump right into this episode with Chad Allen and Rick Duncan. Not every American Christian is on the same page about the need for new churches. So we've created a material to help pastors and church leaders talk to their congregations about church planting in a way that's compelling and convicting. We've created a resource called the Church Planting Primer. And the Church Planting Primer can be used as a small group curriculum or it can be used for um, your congregation as a whole, maybe on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, or it can be used in other smaller settings, uh, Sunday school classes, or, or even for your leadership team or your missions committee to go through. The Church Planting Primer is four sessions. It starts with the biblical rationale for church planting. It moves on to the need for new churches in North America. And then after that, we talk about how churches begin, what are the nuts and bolts of how churches begin the New Testament and how they begin today. And the last session is about how everyday Christians can be involved in starting new churches. This material is absolutely free. It's video-based, downloadable online for your use. And you can find it all at newcityplanting.org. Well... Chad and Rick Duncan, thank you for joining me for the Church Planning Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Thanks. It's great to be here. Appreciate the yeah. opportunity. Yeah, well, thank Chad, you. I, Thanks for having us. Yeah, Chad, I didn't say your last name. Chad Allen. And you guys are uh, you guys are part of a church called Cayuga Valley. Did I say that right? That's close enough. Uh, say it for us, Rick. Say it right. 
Cuyahoga Valley Church. Oh, that's not even close. Yeah, a whole syllable I left out. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's... it's an Indian word that means crooked. So we have a river that runs through Cleveland. Ah. And uh, it's the Cuyahoga River, so it means crooked. And there's a Cuyahoga Valley National Park and all that business. Oh, nice. Yeah. Of course, okay. there's debate. Of course, there's debate because, you know, moving here, you hear Cuyahoga and you hear Cuyahoga. And it seems like locals who've been in the area call it Cuyahoga. But all, mm-hmm. anyone, anyone else who's transplanted calls it Cuyahoga. I haven't been reprimanded yet, but there's definitely a Cuyahoga and a Cuyahoga <laughs> grouping. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Well, um, uh, Rick, you you planted this church, so why don't you tell us the story of Cuyahoga Valley Church and how it got planted? Yeah, okay. Well, um, I was working for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Jacksonville, Florida for about four years after I finished my uh, attempt to make it to the major leagues in baseball, <laughs> and um, a buddy there, a guy named Bob Tebow, he's the dad of Tim Tebow, uh, planted a church. I was in his church, and so that kind of planted the idea of church planting uh, in my heart. I went to seminary at Mid-America Seminary in Memphis, and I have an uncle that was in the State Convention of Baptists in Ohio as the missions director here, and he kept saying, come to Ohio, come to Ohio. So when I finished seminary, I had a chance to go to Central Florida to plant. I had a chance to come here to uh, Columbus or Cleveland to plant, and um, you know, so I went back to my seminary president, Dr. Gray Allison. I said, hey, what, what should I do? Where should I go? And he said, hey, man, now I don't mean this in a bad way toward people in Florida who are planting churches because we need to <laughs> He said, anybody can go to Florida, but who will go to Cleveland? And that mm. became kind of an Isaiah 6 thing for me until I said, here am I, send me. I could get no rest. So we came here. We kind of parachuted in. We were actually appointed by the Home Mission Board back then, which became the North American Mission Board. And I was a church planter apprentice. And so we parachuted in here uh, back in 1986 and had our first Sunday service in 1987. And uh, God has really shown up. He's blessed us in amazing ways. And so uh, that's a little bit about the story, the background. Well, it, Rick, it's kind of cool to to have really started off in ministry doing that and still still at the same church. What a what a blessing that is! So many pastors just go around from place to place. What a cool thing! Yeah, yeah. So it's it's thirty three years in the same spot. So, uh, but I have a burden for the church, and I also have a burden for the city. So yeah. I want to see both flourish. That's great, uh, Chad. How um, how did you first get introduced to the church? You know, I was uh, in California, a California native, born and raised, and I was pastoring out there. Actually, at the church that I went to was a kid youth group. So uh, the bottom line is God just kind of moved me. I had no intentions for ministry. So I went from being a kid in the youth group to an intern to <laughs> part-time youth director and on and on and on. Pretty soon I was a part of a pastoral team leading that church as a teaching pastor, family pastor, and part of the um, kind, of, kind of really like almost like a three-headed pastor <laughs> scenario. And for a couple of years, I knew the, the winds of change were blowing and God was just calling me to something, but I didn't know what it was. So I went through a season uh, very gradually of just kind of putting my feelers out. And eventually I went online and just said, I wonder, I wonder what's out there and just prayerfully explored. And I saw this posting and this posting uh, back in January of 2010 mm-hmm. that basically said, hey, come on board as a co-teaching pastor with two-year transition plan into the lead pastorate. And at that time, um, I felt like God had been calling me to be a lead pastor, but I felt like I needed still some grooming. 
and yeah. all of those things. So just the position sounded very appealing. And then when I saw Cleveland, Ohio, I was like, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> From California, that's not a that's not an easy sell. And then, but that basically over about a month um, kept working on me. To, and um, after about a month, I actually sent over my resume just out of obedience and a spirit of exploration. And that started a process with Cuyahoga Valley Church. And that's where Rick and I connected. And eventually he called me at one point in the process to engage and have our first conversation. And from there, uh, we continue to interact through the rest of the hiring process. Yeah. So I love how normal that is. I, I love that it was initiated by Rick and it was, it was just a normal way of connecting. You know, if it had been this like extraordinary story about how you guys uh, connected this total God thing, then, then in one sense it'd be like, well, you can't reproduce that. But um, there, I, I think we're going to find that there are a lot of pastors out there that, that need to be thinking about secession and transition and they, they're not. And obviously Rick, there was some intentionality. So tell us what was going on in your mind and heart that was leading you. I mean, you're, you're still now, you've been out of that role for a long time. You, you're still, you know, from my account, which could be leading that church just fine. So why would, why would you begin thinking about the transition and making, making the shift? Uh, I think there's several reasons. Uh, one, I, I, my dad's a pastor, and um, sadly, he died of um, cancer uh, when he was about 68. And um, I kind of watched what happened at that church. And he led the church in Central Florida. He led it very well. They had a building program. Church was growing. It was vibrant, a leader in their association. And um, he didn't think about transition issue. And after he died, that church has never, ever been the same. And so I, I kind of saw that and I go, well, you know, I, I, hopefully I won't die of cancer at age 68, but you never know. Um, so that, that kind of weighed on me. And then I got kind of watched in the past as, as leaders get older, you know, there, there are more bald heads yeah, yeah. <laughs> sitting in the pews and there are more gray heads sitting in the pews. And I'm going, man, I, I didn't plant this church. Uh, God has blessed us in a great way. I don't want to see us become increasingly ineffective and irrelevant because, you know, my stories are about grandkids now. My stories aren't about, you know, uh, raising kids. Yeah. So that renders you, I don't think it renders you ineffective. It just, it, it just says, you know, maybe somebody could be a little more effective. I once heard John Maxwell say there is no success without a successor. Mm. And so if you want to know how great your church is, how well does it do after you're gone? Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. um, and, and, and then just, the, just reading the scriptures, you know, reading the stories of Moses uh, transferring leadership to Joshua and Elijah to Elisha. Uh, God really, as I, you know how you, when you read the Bible, sometimes they're just passages that just explode off right. the page. And that kind of happened for me. So when I was um, probably 52, 53, uh, started thinking about this issue a lot more, started talking with the elders at our church about it. And, and I really didn't have a desire to like pass the torch of leadership and move to Florida and waste my life there, you know. <laughs> I wanted to stay engaged here, so we began that whole conversation about, is there a way for me to pass the torch of leadership and stay at CBC? And uh, so the elders agreed with that. Then we pitched it to the congregation, 
and uh, said, hey, this is, this is going to take place. So that's when we began the search uh, for my successor. That, that's such a kind and pastoral thing to do, to really consider the good. I mean, so many pastors, I'm thinking of one pastor I've worked with, that he, he held on to the very end through Parkinson's disease, and he was just a mess when, when he finally had to release the reins and they drove the church completely into the ground. And, uh, you know, 10 years prior to, to that, that, you know, the congregation was feeling like it's time for this to change, but he never saw the writing on the wall or was never willing to do it. And I just think about, uh, just what a, what a wonderful legacy you've left for the church in, in that. So, you know, but I'm thinking through this, uh, Chad, not knowing Rick really, or the church, this had to be a little bit in your mind of a dangerous transition, right? Taking a, pa- a pastoral seat in a church where the founding pastor is going to stay in the seats uh, and and be in the congregation, all of his influence, all of his connections, all of his uh, assumed or real, you know, uh, authority there. You must have known that that could have gone poorly. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, looking at that scenario going, uh, the transition plan sounded good. Um, I think the plan that I, I heard Rick putting together gave me confidence. Like, okay. man, this guy's really thought this through. Um, this isn't a whim. This isn't like, hey, I thought about this last month, and now I'm implementing it. It's like, man, this, this, is, this is a plan that's really been um, you know, thought through. And then uh, obviously his, his presence could really be problematic for both him uh, right. Me, the church, the staff, the team. So um, I think the, the intentionality of his plan uh, was was one uh, piece of the confidence. The other was really the prayerfulness of the church. Um, I love the fact that as I continued to inter- interact with Cuyahoga Valley Church on the front end, um, they had prayer meetings. They had called the church to fast. They had really bathed us in prayer. So I sensed like they're really seeking God's hand in this. And I knew yeah. I was seeking God's hand in a possible transition. So the prayerfulness of the church uh, was was really there, and honestly, like you know, looking at the the plan and, and all of those things were were looking pretty good. But you're just not going to know until you get face to face and right. you get a sense for the person, and 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 there's got to be some some degree of chemistry, connection, uh, all those things that were very important. And I had seen a failed transition um, at the church I was at, uh, yeah. so I think that was in the mix where there were some lessons learned that were also beneficial there. Yeah. Well, um, what was it about Rick that made you have confidence in the way he, I, I knew you said his plan, but anything about his like posture or demeanor that really helped you even, even to this day that, that has helped you? Yeah. A lot of times I think, uh, kind of to that intentionality piece, you can tell a lot of times guys have intent to do something, but there's definitely a difference from intent to intentionality. Hmm. This was in writing. Um, we, we talked about, Hey, at this point, we're going to have you do this at 50% and then I'm at 50%, then it's going to be 40 and 60. And like, it was mapped out. There, yeah. there was a plan to implement. It wasn't just like, Hey, let's walk it out and see how it goes. So I think yeah. having a plan was good railroad tracks for us. And then honestly, just, there was a personal chemistry that Rick and I have had ever since we've met. I think we, yeah. um, whether it was like, Hey, I was in Central Valley, California playing baseball. No way. I'm from Central Valley, California. And then um, we had a lot of commonalities as far as um, evangelistic desires, um, personal interest. Um, I I know this might sound really cheesy, but it's like the first time my wife and I 
met Rick and his wife Marianne. We we were welcome to their to their home at one point. I think opening us uh, opening their home for us to come into rather than just keeping it confined to the offices. Right. Um, you know, Rick and I walked around his block talking and dreaming, and 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 Rick was kind of flipping over all the rocks. Like, yeah. What would you do about here? What do you think about this? What's your thought on this? And and his um, inquisitiveness to me as a person. Uh, to my ministry philosophy, like this is a big deal to this guy. Um, so so I, I sensed the, the, the nature of that. So coming into his home, uh, even there was an oak leaf with Isaiah 61 on it, which was a, a, a phrase and a verse we had from our previous church. Like there was all these little connects that felt really yeah. good, but there was this overall sense. Rick Duncan was all in. Yeah. He, he, he was ready to burn the ships transition this church and give us full support to me if I were to come and play. Huh. And so at one point though, you, you have all you need to know in place and you just have to feel as the guy receiving the baton, you've just got to come to a place where you believe this guy is going to do what he said he's going to do. He's going yeah. to back it. And um, Rick Duncan has not failed once in the nine and a half years I've been at this church to not back anything he intended to do. And that, that gave me continued growing confidence. And I think that's one of the reasons that today I say that this transition has been a gift to me, yeah. to him, and to the church. You know, uh, I've thought about doing secession-themed podcasts before, but I'm always nervous because they're within the first year or two, you know. And so this one I didn't feel nervous about because I knew it happened long enough ago. That it's like, this thing's going to take. There, there's roots on this thing. Uh, and so that that's exciting. Um, so obviously if I were making a transition like that, I'm thinking like primarily about philosophy of ministry alignment was, uh, did you, Rick, did you intentionally seek out someone who aligned with you in that area? Or were you really open-minded about how the new leader might lead the church in a different direction? Well, one of the things that we did is I, like I was not on the search team. I thought to myself, Hey, look, this is a, this is going to be hard to find somebody who's willing to do what we're asking. Like, like, I don't think I would apply for the job. Like, I don't <laughs> think this guy can really let go of the reins. Uh, how do I know he can really do that? But we did have a lot of interest in the position. And uh, so that, that was kind of exciting. So for me, I, I thought if I'm on the search team, that kind of communicates to the incoming guy this guy may not be able to let go. So I thought, well, you know, I'm gonna let go of that. Um, but we did articulate clearly our philosophy of ministry, what we were looking for. And then um, the search team said, hey, before we ask any candidate to come in, we want you to have that conversation. And so that was when, you know, Chad and I kind of connected and I felt, okay, he, you know, he's, he's a Liberty guy. Um, so his, you know, doctrine, theology and stuff, very sound, very uh, Baptistic, um, even though it didn't come from a church in our tribe, but, um, you know, was very conversant. And, and, you know, we talked about, you know, things like complementarianism and, 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 and all those kinds of things. And uh, so I felt pretty confident in talking with him and, and his passion for evangelism his passion to teach the Bible in an expository way, you know, there was just a, a real connection there. So yeah, we talked a lot about philosophy of ministry issues. Yeah. 
Yeah. What, uh, a lot of guys, when they're approaching this situation, I just walked through this with another pastor, they start to lean on resources or um, consulting firms regarding the secession process because it's so sort of, uh, you know, dangerous ground. Did you lean on any resources or any consults, consultants or did you kind of just map out your own way? Well, we had actually, um, I, I, I was at Bellevue Baptist Church when I was in seminary. And in that church, was, at one point, was, of course, Adrian Rogers as a lead pastor. R.G. Lee yeah. pastored like in the 50s, 40s and yeah. 50s. And then a guy named Ramsey Pollard, who was the previous pastor before Adrian Rogers. So I'm going, okay, there, there's a church where the outgoing guys stayed engaged uh, and the incoming guy, uh, you know, Adrian Rogers, <laughs> larger than right. And so, and then, and then here in Cleveland, we saw a father-son transition that went well. And then I saw another transition at a, at a church. And so we, I had seen some things work. I'd also seen some things blow up. We also got a book. What's the name of that book, Chad, by Bob Russell? Is it called Transition? I think this is called Transition. Yeah. 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 Who's at Southeast Church there yeah. in Louisville. Yeah. And um, so we read through that book. And, um, and then, like I say, I just had some conversations with some local pastors. Oh, also another church, um, uh, Christ Church in Hudson. They also went through a transition. So we had seen three locally that seemed to work okay. And so we tried to just learn from, from all these other people that had done it, but we didn't really use a consultant. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, Rick, I did a transition like this after leading the church I planted for just seven years. Um, I can't imagine how difficult this was for you um, uh, to, you know, hand. That's a terrible way to say it, I know, but like sort of hand your baby over. You had invested your life in the building of this church and it had been really successful by all, you know, regular metrics that we would measure success. Um uh, were there any points of, you know, oh man, what am I doing here? Uh, nervousness along the way, or did you feel did you feel confident all the way through? Um, I felt like we were obeying the Lord. I mean, it had, as Chad said, been we prayed about it, talked about it, maybe talked about it too much. I mean, it took a while to get the elders on board. Um, not that I was twisting their arms, but trying to get our minds wrapped around it. Uh, yeah. And of course, the congregation, you know, some people weren't very big fans of this because, as you can imagine, as the founding pastor, uh, some of the people came to the church before we had property building or anything like that. Yeah. And, you know, I had performed their wedding ceremonies and dedicated their kids and baptized them and led them to Christ and so forth. So they weren't big fans of it. But I don't know that I ever really felt like, what am I doing here? <laughs> I I had several, I had several like, oh crap moments in, in my, in our transition where I, I just like for a moment I was hit with like, what am I doing? Like, I've only been doing this seven years. I should, I should stay at this, you know, even though there were, there were tons of clear signs that it was the right transition and, and evidence that the Lord was in it and evidence that we had the right person, uh, all of that stuff. So yeah, I just, I mean, for me, there was some oh crap moments. So I'm just, I, I guess you were more mature than me. No, I don't. Know about that? I, I definitely wouldn't say that. But um, 
one, two things I want to mention. One, man, I know that we all believe John 15. Yeah. You know, a, fruit comes from abiding in Christ. This is a test of whether or not I believe that. Yeah. Because if you believe fruit comes from a position yeah. or your prominence in a church rather than your place in the vine, uh, you're going to be in trouble. And so I think God had kind of helped me realize, look, you can, you can still bear fruit even in your old age if you're, even if you're not the lead pastor of the church. God will give you opportunities. So your job is abide in the vine, abide in Christ, and he'll take care of the fruit. So you don't have to hang on to your position. Some reason yeah. God let me believe that, and I'm grateful for that. The other thing you mentioned about giving over your baby. See, Chad and Rika are people that have grown their family through adoption. Mm -hmm. And so when we actually had the service and I passed the torch of leadership and, you know, we had all these, I gave them a <laughs> baseball bat and a, we had five <laughs> services. We had to do this five times. So I gave him five different gifts. I gave him a Bible, a shofar, and <laughs> I gave him a baton. Anyway, one of the things he said was, is that um, I know what it's like to be in a hospital when somebody gives you their baby. And he goes, that's the way I feel with Rick and Mary Ann. They're giving us this baby and we're yeah. going to do everything we can to take care of it. I can't tell you how much that meant to Mary Ann and me to. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. So Chad, I, Tell, talk about now. How's Rick relate to the church now, and how's Rick relate to you and help you now? You know, um, again, I think watching him, like, and if anyone who's listening to this, you, you can even get a sense from Rick now, looking back, relaying like the intentionality, the purpose, and the follow through. I think uh, his follow through has been so good, and and uh, it's been really walking this out because really um the transition plan created where i, I you know at one point rick's my supervisor uh he's a mentor he's a friend and at some point i become his boss which is just weird um because sometimes you feel like hey like rick can you do this curriculum thing you feel like you're asking your your dad to like take out the trash or something at the house you know so so navigating the dynamics but i i think through the whole time and even now um there's this very rich uh, nature to our relationship that transcends all those different roles. And so like right now, for example, I know that uh, Rick is still one of my biggest supporters. Um, and, and, and he's always appropriate where, you know, I know calls that probably he wouldn't have made, but you know, if, if it's really strong to him, he might pull me aside personally. So like, Hey man, look, you're the lead guy. And he's always led with that. Hey, you're the lead guy. This is your thing. If, if ultimately you make this call, Hey, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I gotcha. But you might want to consider this. I want to think through that. I'm going, I'd be an idiot not to take the advice of a guy who's got decades of ministry on me. Um, that'd be foolish and arrogant. So now I might yeah. at the end of the day go, I don't feel like that's where God's calling us. Or I don't feel like that's the decision I'm going to make. But I love the fact that he can speak truthfully, right. candidly, honestly. But at the end of the day, I know that he's going to weigh the flag um, in my support and the support for the church, unless I'm you know, totally off the rails. And then that's a whole different yeah. conversation. And also really leveraging um, his skill set. Uh, Rick is a leadership beast. 
And so, and what I love about Rick is that uh, this, this season over the last nine years wasn't a season for him to sit back and go like, hey, I'm just going to buy my time, collect my check, and, you know, just continue to, like, the guy just ramped it up looking for opportunities to leverage his influence for the kingdom. Yeah. And so even though he's at minimal hours as a quote-unquote employee of CDC, a lot of us on the team know that he invests a lot more than his time card reflects. Right. And, and so he still is able to meet with our leaders and invest in relationship and leadership. And he's bringing to the table the things he's learning that benefit us directly. And so, man, what an asset that we have as a church, that our founding pastor is still engaged, still invested, still loves the church, still supports. Um, and also, quite honestly, our transition um, for the pastors out there, and I know this won't be the case for everybody, but, you know, we've got a good-sized church, so... Um, to this day, like, I haven't done a lot of funerals. Um, I've done some weddings, a lot of those things, because uh, Rick and some other pastors on staff have more tenure here, so they're still yeah. sought after for some of these other things. So Rick being on the team uh, is a great win for the church. Right. And because we trust one another, and we've established a, a relationship of trust and transparency, it just still works. Yeah, that's great. If you guys uh, could... Just give me one thing that if you did it over again, I think we might do this a little differently. Either one of you or both of you, anything you can think about. I, I have been asked that question before, and I always struggle thinking through what we would have done differently. And I am not the guy that has no regrets and feels like I've done everything well. I'm usually very, very hard on myself. But I think because we prayed it through and were so intentional and it was a collaborative decision with me and the elders and the leaders of our church, um, man, I, I struggled to come up with what we would have done differently. I tell you some things that we did well. I think we had kind of an orderly, like I'm preaching 75%, he's preaching yeah. 25%. We switch it over over a two-year period to where yep. he's at 75, I'm at 25. And I think the biggest thing that I would do again is would ask what we asked regularly. We don't quite ask it as much anymore, but how can I make the transition better for you? Uh -huh. He would ask me and I would ask him. And usually we didn't really have much to say, like, hey, things are going well, you know, uh, but just knowing that, and, and I think one of the things that you can pick up from Chad is his sense of humility like 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 he's not threatened when and it's not just me that do, does funerals you know another guy named dale i mean we got a lot of people but he's not like threatened like oh people don't trust me as their lead pastor if they want rick to do the funeral you know right. he, he's not threatened by that so his right. humility his humility to ask that question how can i make the transition better for you rick yeah. and me asking him back so I don't know. I didn't answer your question, but, uh, no, that's good. I mean, man, how many, how many things in life can we look back on and say, yeah, I, I feel like the Lord walked with us in that gave us a lot of grace and, and we, we put the work in and, and it worked out great. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and Chad, you, anything come to mind for you or you, you agree? Uh, I would echo, I would echo. This is probably going to drive the listeners nuts. I'm like, come on, give us something. But I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of echoing this. I'm going, it was, it felt like the transition was a gift and went well, I think, again, some of the things that made it the win were the question that we would ask. Um, also, early on in the transition, 
uh, Rick and I took a retreat together. Mm -hmm. uh, we went out to you know Bethlehem Church and you know, went to a prayer conference and and uh, getting that extra time together to just you know get away for a few days. We had some fun funny stories from that moment. Um, we had some heart connects. Hey, a, an unreached people group that we decided to go after as a church um, came out of that moment. Mm. And so I think, you know, getting those like the conferences, retreats and getting some time away together yeah. uh, was valuable to us. And I think honestly, right now, um, I would probably say after the transition, what would I do different? I think it's very easy for guys in my shoes. Um, and I'm, I'm probably sensitive to this because I saw a transition fail in my yeah. previous church where the founding pastor wasn't honored. Um, he wasn't sought after for insights and advice. He was just severed from the scenario. And of course that, that didn't work. Eventually, the guy that took his place had to, had to leave because it didn't go well. Um, so I think after the transition going, I think continuing to keep those moments where we have regular meetings. I haven't done that well, but I think frequency of meetings still to glean insights, direction, et cetera, um, yeah. and invest in that relationship is, is good. Um, but again, I, I don't feel, I don't look back and go, man, these are definitely the three things I would have done different. I just, just don't have that. So th yeah. it's been a gift. Well, and I, you know, now that you say that, Chad, I, I probably would have wanted to spend maybe a little more time with some retreats. I mean, that Desiring God conference that we went to on prayer was, was really good. We could have used maybe one or two, three more of those. That, that, that would have been fun. Yeah. Sure. So uh, I don't know why Piper does his conference in January up there. I don't either. Like, I've never understood it. That's insane. I, I went one time and I was like, this is, you have to, you, you have to be uh, super committed to come to this conference. Um, okay. Well, you guys have been great. I want to ask you just one thing before we wrap up here. So there's pastors who are listening to this that maybe for the first time even are thinking, uh, maybe my time of transition is nearing. Uh, talk to that guy for just a minute, Rick. Tell him, tell him what they need to be thinking about it and, you know, just, just give him some advice. Yeah, well, I would say, first of all, it's inevitable. Um, I tell guys, look, every day you live, you are one day closer to becoming the ex-lead pastor of that church. So you might as well start thinking about uh, transition at the beginning. Uh, like when, how, and be, be in prayer about this. Ask the Lord, when am I supposed to, how am I supposed to, um, and we, I even think guys planting should start thinking about yeah. that, um, you know, because some guys are, um, I call them serial church planters. You're going to plant this one and that one and the next one. Yeah. And the next one. And some guys are going to be kind of like me. I'm going to plant a church. Hopefully it'll grow so that we can uh, spin off other churches uh, out of this church. So you got to kind of ask what, what kind of call do I have? Right. And uh, and then I think you can begin to ask ask that question. So so and and I would say pass the torch of leadership while you still have gas in the tank and tread on the tires, because um, you know for the first four years I guess I was full time at CVC and then I transitioned to be full time with the North American Mission Board in the training area, and um, it's it's. I know I'm just my mind is boggled sometimes that the work that I get to do with the North American Mission Board is actually impacting church planting uh, all the way from 
you know, St. John's, Canada to Ottawa from Portland to South Florida. I mean, are you kidding me? Things that I'm doing uh, will ha have an impact all across North America. And uh, I don't think that opportunity would have opened up had I not been obedient to the Lord to do the transition when I did. So, uh, and then also, I just want to reiterate this, believe that your fruitfulness is not tied to your position. If yeah. you really believe that, then you're going to be willing to pass the torch to somebody else. That's so good. So good. Chad, any, any last thoughts on that one? Any advice you'd give to a pastor who was uh, maybe, maybe on your side of the equation that was considering going into a situation like this? Yeah. Uh, just picking back off, off Rick, you know, for those guys who are thinking about transition, um, see it through. Don't, don't have those strings attached to that baton. It's not, it's, it's not one of those little paddle balls that's supposed to come back. You know, it's like right. you pass that baton so as to run its next leg. you got to be all in, um, and, and your, your guy needs to know that. I echo Rick. Like, man, our, our identity is not in our role as pastors, and this will test that on, at a big level. And so I think, I think echoing that. I think the other is leverage your influence in the congregation. Uh, how tragic would it be to pastor and lead a congregation for whatever season you were in and then just like ghost, you know, you're gone. Um, and, but at the same time, you can't be overly involved. Uh, one quick story, you know, there was a couple in our church, long time um, CVCers that basically met with Rick to say like, hey, we're not a fan of the new guy, we're out. And he's like, um, but, but I'm still here. Like, yeah, but you know, you're, you've been our pastor, he's not, we're, we're out. And he's like, but I'm still here. And he basically said, hey, look, give it a year, give it a year. And if at the end of the year, you still feel like you're supposed to leave, go for it. And they gave it a year. And you know what? Uh, by the grace of God, I kind of grew on them. And, and now they're still <laughs> a very faithfully involved. I, I, would, I would be preaching, and they'll be in another state um, watching, and I'll get a text from them like, oh, great message, great job, amen. You know, and, and, <laughs> but that wouldn't have happened if Rick didn't have the humility and the commitment to, to turn that. And I think yeah. the guys in my shoes, if anyone in my shoes will listen out there, just coming in going, look, you're not going to take whatever you're doing where you're at and just transferring over there. You're not just going to have to try to fit into the shoes of the guy before you and repeat them. You, it's just going to be a test of your calling to know that who you are, how God made you, how he equipped you, and then how you can uniquely um, enfold it there. One thing we did do, back to your question about resources, is on the front end of the transition, we brought in Will Mancini and went through the Oxano process on vision framing because we knew that it wasn't going to stay the same but it wasn't going to be this knee-jerk reaction. So what's it going to look like? And that was a very helpful process to get us into the next season. So yeah. uh, those are some of the thoughts that immediately come to mind. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Let me just throw in that too. We, we went through that process and it took about a year with Mancini to refresh our mission, vision, value, strategy, all that business. And uh, I wanted to do that before the transition because I wanted to speak into the new language of our vision and the new, it wasn't really a new direction, but a fresh articulation of it and a refocusing. And then I wanted Chad to be able to speak into it as the new guy. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to wave the flag for all the newness so that if anybody got mad, they get mad at me yeah. instead of getting mad at Chad. Yeah. So uh, that seemed to be a, a, a helpful process that we went right. through. Man, that's so good. You guys are a great model of this. And I thank you so much for taking a few minutes to, to share this. I, I suspect 
that this is going to be really helpful to a lot of people because like you say rick all of us are are just a day closer every day to our transition and it's coming inevitably for all of us so thanks so much i appreciate you guys i know you're both very busy and i appreciate your time thank you thank you most pastors and church leaders I know have an aspiration to write. They've got an idea for a book rolling around the back of their mind somewhere, something that's kind of been percolating for a long time and they don't quite know what to do with. Well, if that's you and you have an aspiration to write, I want you to know my friend Brad Bird. Brad runs an organization called Wadestone, and they're dedicated to this process of helping aspiring authors get ready to publish. So contact my friend Brad Bird over at Wadestone. And if you're a church planning podcast listener, he's doing this really generous thing and he's offering 25% off of the first coaching session just for mentioning that you listen to the church planning podcast. So reach out to Brad at his website, wadestoneinc.com and tell him you listen to the podcast and ask him to help you get ready to write. Thank you for listening to the Church Planning Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to today's guest, Josh Taransky produced today's show. Nick Bashane was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky, who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last but not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. If you'd like more information about our show, feel free to visit our website at www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes, as well as notes and links from today's show. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so be sure to check us out on the social. And tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast.